You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. I'd like to begin our uh, proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to our ancestors, to yours and to mine, to those people who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives. I call out to those people that carry that legacy, that legacy made rich by those who have been here before us and that legacy that is available to us should we choose to connect with our ancestors in a good way, with our ancestral helping spirits and ask them to help us to learn from the mistakes of the past to go forward in a new way, to show the courage and the innovation and the creativity and the love of life necessary to go forward in new ways to innovate uh, what the world is really calling out of us, the living in this particular time. We ask the ancestors to help us to be strong and true in the face of the challenges that are before us. And I reach through these human ancestors for our time here on this planet is short. And I reach to those energies for the all of life that has been here long before anyone ever thought of a human. And I call out to the energies of life around us that share this great life. And I call out to these energies to help us to remember our own true nature. To help us to surrender deeply into what it means to be human. To face our fears clearly. And to open up the wisdom of our heart the wisdom of our body and the energy of being present here in the world and our own spiritual wisdom that we can bring these through with our intelligence and to be truly, fully, completely human and to be that song of humanity that is part of the great dreaming. And I ask the ancestors to help us, human and non-human, to do what it is that the living have come here to do so that things are prepared in a good way for those who are coming. And as the ancestors and the helping spirits gather around us here today, let us gather ourselves from wherever we might be into our head and draw our awareness from our head to our heart and from our heart down to our belly. And from our belly, let us take a moment and imagine that we are reaching out, reaching down, touching the earth, taking a moment to give thanks for this day, whatever it holds in store for you. To give thanks for beauty and diversity and opportunity, for chance and happening. To give thanks for the generosity and the dreaming here that we can change anything as long as we are still breathing. And we give gratitude for the awe of life itself and that great miracle. So as you reach deep into the earth with the gratitude flowing from our hearts, let it flow into all the layers of the earth as we reach down reaching all the way down to the very center of the earth and connecting ourselves firmly there. Let us ground ourselves in the center and connect into that energy that is before all else. 
that energy that exists in the darkness and the silence, stillness, coolness, that energy that refreshes and rejuvenates and restores that which nourishes and replenishes us. And let us reach deeply into that energy and draw it up, drawing it up through all the layers of the earth into our own bodies, into our bellies, our hearts, and our minds. We call up this energy of the earth and we ask the energy of the earth to help us to understand how to be grounded in our own life, in our own body, to know where we stand and what we stand for and to build our sense of home and family based on that understanding. Not some sense of history or nation or family that creates separation between us and the rest of life here on earth. But let us create our sense of home in a way that we open the door. We leave an empty place at the table for those who might be in need, those who are different than we are. And we call in the other in our life and we open ourselves and our minds to the opinions of others that are different. Let's not create our sense of home simply by surrounding ourselves with people exactly like we are in their thinking, how they look, how they act. But let us surround ourselves for those that will help us to grow to provoke us by their very differences to become the men and women that we've truly come here to be. And as we learn from the energy of the earth how to connect, how to connect within ourselves to the various aspects of ourselves, to connect to others, to connect to our environment in a good way, to connect to the invisible world, and ultimately to find our place in that great interconnectedness of the web of life. So we ask the energy of the earth to help us in this way, And as those teachings come to us, let us rise up today, continuing to rise from our belly to our heart, to our mind, up and out, drawing the energy of the earth up with us as we go into the sky. And whatever weather it holds for you today, moving up and out through it, out through the weather, out through the atmosphere, up into the cosmos and all the way up. All the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever way you know this energy, however you name it or understand it, to connect with it deeply in your heart and let it connect with you and to draw this energy down, this radiant divine energy from above, calling it down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings and in this way we call into ourselves the essence energy of blessing, the energy of protection and devotion and commitment. We call in the energy that inspires and illuminates. We call in the benevolence of this universe and the beneficence of the all that is. We call this energy into ourselves, into our day. We draw it down into our head, into our heart, into our belly, send it down our grounding cord into the earth and take a moment and simply become this place, this connection between the above and below, earth and sky, yin and yang. And let that wholeness come together within you. That big love. And let it awaken the spirit of your heart. And we call out in this way to the spirit of each of our hearts. Individual and unique in this world. We call out to these hearts to awaken. To open. And to light that crucible of transformation. That lives there in the heart. And get that little flame burning in that crucible. So that we can draw up the fiery passions of the belly that have some some deep, deep burning desire that of the soul for why we are here. And call down the crystal clarity of the mind that can look around and say, hmm, how am I going to do that? And we can draw these energies together there in the heart and let them dance a wild and mighty tango there in your heart. Perhaps it's a subtle waltz. 
Who knows what that dance might be, but you'll never know unless you bring them together in that crucible of transformation in your heart and you let them dance. And out of that dance comes this third and most uh, essential energy, which is some sense, some feeling, some memory, some sort of connection with why you are here. And may you reach into that same beautiful human heart and find the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into the world and to manifest why you are here. And for all the assistance every one of us has to do that very thing, challenging though it might be, for all of the assistance that supports us, I give great, great gratitude. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I'd also like to thank those very generous human spirits, Deborah, Heidi, Gina, Renee, Masha, Jason, Maya, Jessica, Julie, Mark, Maura, all of these people that are able to donate financially to the show. If you're listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported, which means the only reason we still exist here on the air for you is because listeners like yourself uh, who feel moved by the show um, allow that movement in their heart to motivate their actions and they give different amounts large or small um, and these uh, donations basically pay the bills and help us to keep the show available around the world to anyone who can access the internet for free and I'm deeply grateful for those who are able to donate financially. So if this show moves you in any way, if it moves you even to frustration and irritation, which today's show might do, we'll see, um, know that you've been moved in the heart. And when we are moved in the heart, the most fundamental of shamanic action is to allow that movement in the heart to motivate our actions in the world. So please do something large or small, to help the show to grow. There are many ways that you can share the show, work with what's said in the show, especially the things that irritate you, um, to share uh, share the show on uh, social media, to comment about it, to share your thoughts about it, to basically help um, the audience to grow because as we help the audience to grow, we help people get access to information about how to bring shamanism practically into their everyday contemporary life. And this will make the world a better place for all of us, I truly believe. So thank you, everyone, who's helping me to do that. Um, so if you want to donate to the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. There's been some confusion about that lately. Whyshamanismnow.com and donate any amount, large or small. Just click the donate button and scroll down. The information about classes is at lastmaskcenter.org which is the classes and teachings uh, website. Okay, two different websites. Um, So we are live today. And if you have any questions about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And of course, you're welcome to do that at any time when you listen to the show, live or not. Um, with your questions, with your show ideas. Um, but particularly, it's interesting for me to hear about how drawing these ideas into your life did or didn't change things. So I, I particularly appreciate those emails. Okay. So today's topic is about fear, and in particular, how can we use our shamanic skills to work with fear? 
feeling fear, whether real or imagined, initiates a variety of chemical responses in the body that support the needed physical response to actual danger. So chemicals get released into the body that inspire our ability to either fight, to flee, you know, fight or flight, to freeze, or to focus. And the focus is going to become important in today's show. But these are the natural responses, natural fear response um, to specific or immediate danger uh, to our physical well-being. And there is a distinction that we need to understand between a literal threat or actual danger and a perceived threat, which may be dangerous or may be just fear. Okay, And this is the distinction um, that does not always carry over into our brains in time to stop that release of the chemical response because once those chemicals are set loose um, and when if that happens before we have a chance to discern uh, what we feel that threat is um, once those chemicals are uh, set loose everything feels like fear because we are in a literal chemically induced fear response right and so the one of the most important things in learning to work with fear is that ability as fear rises to discern to focus and discern Um, hopefully before the chemicals begin to to flood your body and tell you to fight or to run or to freeze or to focus so the focus is what can actually help you to discern in spite of the chemicals we'd like to do it before but sometimes we don't but it can help us to focus despite the chemicals coursing through our body telling us that we should be in fear. But for most contemporary people who feel the fight, then their mind begins to tell the story or they feel the run impulse and the mind begins to tell a story or they feel the freeze impulse and the mind begins to tell a story. And the stories, of course, are very familiar stories. Your mind has been telling you over and over again. And this is the kind of fear response that still triggers the chemical response in our body of the cortisol response and the adrenal response. And, you know, all of these people are getting diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. Gee, I wonder why. It's not just because you're working too hard. It's because your mind is working too hard telling you that you should be in fear all the time. So this is what I want to talk about today. So in the warriorship of life, facing your fears and cultivating discernment are in a dynamic relationship together. Okay, so now before I go any further, I want to be very clear. What I'm talking about here is not describing PTSD. I just described regular everyday people who live in cultures that no longer value initiating their young into adulthood or teaching their children about warriorship, right? So this is everyday America, certainly at least, if not a a large chunk of the world at this point in time. True PTSD always involves soul loss. Soul loss does not always involve PTSD, And one does not need to be in a state of soul loss to have a fear response to a real or imagined fear as I described above. So I may have time to talk about PTSD today, but if I don't, there are shows about it in the archives. It's a a different and very extreme situation. It's not unrelated, 
but it's an ex- it's an it's a very extreme human response, um, which can be relatively easily resolved once someone brings a shaman into the mix of the care providers that you have. However, today I just want to talk about fear, and I want to talk about everyday fear with everyday people. Um, and I may not get to PTSD, so we'll see. But right now, I am talking about. Um, what we need as a shamanic practitioner to understand about fear and in particular how to make a distinction between fears and true danger and how important this is to bring into your personal work particularly if you have any intention of working with other people and their fears Uh, because fear does have a um, intoxicating effect and uh often the very um, pheromone quality of a person beginning to tell the story of their fear and begin to relive it as a real fear begins to distort the person listening's ability to discern whether the fear should be is real or imagined. So let's review what, what for the most part we already know about fear, right? Because we've got all of these truths floating around the New Age world and all around the internet, etc. So the main, the, the main sort of fundamental understandings about working with fear that most of us already know, we just don't know what to do with it, right? But what we already know is fear is meant to warn us of danger, not make us afraid of it. So fear is an important part of our makeup, right? And it has a job, which is the job of warning us that there's potential danger, here. At the heart of learning warriorship is learning that when we feel fear rising in us, to immediately engage in discerning the threat because fear is rising up to warn us of danger. So what we need to do as we feel the fear rise is to look for the danger and to discern whether that danger is real or imagined whether that danger is a danger that I'm actually asking for because it's the feeling of danger my false self throws up because I'm starting to create some true transformation. So there's a lot of danger. uh, Yeah, there's a lot of danger that is illusory. There's danger that is real and undesired. There's danger that is real and desired. Um, And there's danger that is perceived of as real that is absolutely fictitious. And so it's very uh, important as adults for us to cultivate the capacity to feel the fear rise and know that our next response is to should be to learn to discern what is actually going on. So, for example, one of my greatest teachers about fear was my cat. He was a really – I have no idea what his life was before me for the first about two years of his life. But he was obviously really, really seriously traumatized. And he's one of those stray cats that you know shows up, moves in, period. There's nothing you can do about it. So, so he moved in and he was really afraid of sounds, all sounds. He had very acute hearing and was really afraid of sounds. And the the place that he had survived a lot when he heard scary sounds in his younger life was in the bushes under the ivy. You know, he'd found a place to hide in the in the natural world. 
And so this cat would be inside the apartment and literally safe. He would hear a noise outside the apartment like the dump truck or a garbage truck going by. He would freak out in fear, run out the window that was open for him to get in and out of the apartment and go hide in the bushes outside where the garbage truck was. So he would find himself suddenly outside in the actual threat or his perceived threat, right, instead of inside where he was safe because he just acted on his fear response. And I would watch him do this, I mean, for years, and it took years for him to finally fly out the window and then stop in the front yard and go, wait a minute, why am I outside? (laughs) This is where the dump truck is. And then saunter back into the house and lie down again. So my point is just we need a healthy response to fear because it keeps us from danger. It helps us to respond well in the face of danger. But danger is really complex, whether it's real or perceived, desired or undesired. When we start moving into shamanic realms, we start moving into personal transformation, we start trying just to grow up and be a spiritual adult. So this is what we're talking about, is this, this, this issue of the distinction between danger, true danger, desired danger and fear and the important thing to remember is that fear is meant to rise up and warn us of danger then we are meant to discern the threat and take appropriate action and the purpose of the rising of the feeling of fear is not to actually shut us down and make us afraid and for many people as soon as they feel fear they shut down And it's not freezing. It's shutting down. It's like, oh, fear, I'm afraid. That that what's missing in that loop is because the point is once you shut down and you're afraid of the fear, then you don't even know what the fear is because you've already shut down. So there's no discerning. So it's like game over. And nothing changes. Nothing grows. You have no opportunity then to discern real or imagined, real or desired. Because... Because the fear rising is creating this afraid response versus the fear rising creating a discern response. Okay, so fear and fearlessness are in relationship. Um, That they are mutually bound. So courage then, I mean we're not looking for fearlessness. That whole like wanting to be fearless is is, um, sometimes misunderstood. It is one of those ideas that gets abused in new in some new age processes of transformation fear and fearlessness are in relationship they are mutually bound they are connected and so courage really is not fearlessness it is the ability to discern and act in fear when we feel fear it's the ability to have the fear rise to stay open to discern the threat and to take appropriate action and to continue to take appropriate action. So that is um, the relationship really between fear and courage. So courage is existing in an environment of fear. It is not existing in fearlessness. And so the reason that this matters um, so much is that the other thing that we know about fear, that fear is an illusion. 
In other words, danger is real. Fear is an illusion. So other than the fear that's literally inspired by a real danger in the moment, fear is being constructed by our mind out of pre-existing beliefs and stories. And um, so much of the fear that we feel is really a mental construct. And this is, this is the, the teaching, particularly in martial arts, about fear being illusion, the need to face your fears. So it's really about cultivating the courage to operate as a sane and discerning individual in fear. And that is just takes practice and takes understanding the job of fear is not to make you afraid. That's, that's not um, – its purpose and fear isn't going to go away because we need it to stay safe in the world. So you need to change your relationship with it for it to do its job. Okay. So, so the point of all of this then is we have these basic principles. Fear is meant to warn us of danger, not to make us afraid of it. And fear is an illusion. Um, and, and thus the illusion needs to be, unwound, unraveled. And this is, you know, part of the great gift of shamanic skills is they're absolutely about unraveling the deeper meaning in things, the illusion in things, sorting out truth from fiction. This is all part of the great, the great gift of um, shamanic skills. If we cultivate ourselves in such a way that we can apply them properly. Okay, but what do these basic things we understand about fear really mean for us, practically speaking, contemporary people? Here we are. Okay, so what it means is no matter where you get the message from, whether you're journeying about why can't I, blah, 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 to find out why you can't do whatever, why you aren't doing whatever, whether that's coming to you from talking to a best friend, whether it's coming from working with any other practitioner, your own journeying, uh, you know, struck by lightning and God told you. I don't care where the message came from. If the message that you're getting is that the reason that you aren't blah, 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 or you can't blah, 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 or you won't blah, 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 is because of fear. So if the answer is because it is fear, that isn't a valid reason to keep not doing it. That's not a reason. That in and of itself is not a place to stop. Whatever you need to be doing or not doing or feeling or not feeling, that that the fear is just a piece of the answer. So fear is stopping you from these things. Great. Now what? So, so what's the fear? Where is it coming from? How do I unravel it? How do I dispel this illusion? I mean, I cannot tell you the number of people that come to me and they say, um, you know, I have this issue. Well, did you journey on it? Well, yeah, I did. And, and what was the answer that you got? Well, fear. And what'd you do next? Well, nothing because it was fear. I'm like, fear? So what? Of course. We get scared about anything new. We get scared about everything. It's not a valid response. It's not a valid reason to stop. It's, it's, it's a marker on the path for you to unravel what needs to happen next. So for any of you thinking of calling me for a session uh, in person or long distance, you know, do your homework because I am not going to 
Okay. So another version, (laughs) you know where I was going with that. I see people throw fear into the fire again and again and again and wonder why nothing changes in their fire ritual. Fear is an illusion. There's nothing for the fire to transform for you. You haven't done your homework. What is the true source of the fear? What is the root of the fear? Why is that the root of the fear? You know, you haven't unraveled the process. You haven't used your skills. You haven't done the work. Now, if you don't have any skills, you might need another person to help you who does have skills to help you to unravel it. But but to constantly be in therapy over your fears and accept those illusions as some sort of valid thing, you're missing – you and your therapist – are missing the point of how to work effectively psychologically. If you're doing that in your shamanism, you're missing the point of how to work effectively shamanically. That the fear in and of itself is a big so what? What's at the root of it? What's the source of it? Where did it come from? Why do you feel it in this situation and not that situation? Unravel the illusion. Okay, so that's what it means. That's what those beliefs really mean for us if we put them into practice in our contemporary life. Okay, so let's say you do journey about why you aren't finishing your dissertation or your website or why you're not starting that new project now that you have all this time off from work or whatever it is and the response that you get is fear. Great. Next, journey, right? (laughs) Because it's an explanation. It's not an excuse is um, okay I will say that if you get fear you do need to discern let me not get too cavalier here you do need to discern is spirit actually telling you that there is a true and present danger that you're not paying attention to and that as you move into whatever that thing is that, that danger rises up I mean that's a possibility Right? And so that's the first thing you need to discern. Is my fear rising up because there is a true, eminent, and real danger that is life-threatening and worthy of me stopping and reevaluating? Okay, that's a possibility. But mostly that's not what people are talking about. Mostly they're talking about fears that are being generated by their mind that have nothing to do with a real, eminent danger. And I would say even beyond that, it's important with your transformation always to remember that to truly get into the realm where you're going to start actually transforming who you are, not just changing, but transforming who you are, it will be perceived of as danger no matter how hard you work for that transformation. And you need to know that and go, yep, dangerous, got it, working on that and move forward anyway. Okay, so use your skills. Discern the true source of the fear or the root of the fear. And once you get that answer, then follow the path of unraveling. Where did that come from? Is there healing needed? Is there um, more information, new skills? You know, what needs to happen to allow you to continue to unravel the fear? There's very likely outdated beliefs that are, that are in place in your mind that are keeping you keeping the fear story going that maybe you no longer feel those beliefs are valid but you need to find those beliefs and delete them through some sort of true actual energy clearing process okay so at some point in this unraveling of the illusion you will have to go through it you always have to go through the fear it is the nature of it 
right? So just remember that everything created by humans has a heart, even fear, even your fear. And so just dive in that final moment. Just don't keep trying to go around or under or over or whatever. Go through it. Go right into the heart of the fear. And as you go right into the heart of the fear, you will find whatever that ever so important thing is that has made it worthy of such a fear response in the first place. And so if we quote Joseph Campbell, it's that sense of the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And so there's enormous personal transformation that comes through this nature of spiritual warriorship. It allows us to cultivate courage. It allows us to grow ever more confident and strong in our skill set. It makes it that much easier next time to unravel the next fear that arises. And so it's very important to remember that even fear has a heart and the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And it's important to understand that about our fears. So let's say another really typical contemporary situation. Let's say you know in your heart that you need to leave a relationship or you know in your heart um, that you need to step more deeply into a relationship. But either way, fear keeps stopping you from doing what you know you need to do in relationship. So first off, fear never stops you, ever. You feel fear and stop yourself. That is really important to realize. Fear is just a flag. It says danger. It isn't a thing. So if you are letting fear stop you, then you are allowing fear to make you afraid of it. And then you are turning it into a thing that stops you. But fear doesn't stop you. You stop yourself because fear came up. So fear arises. Focus and discern. What is the true nature of your fear? It's likely a pattern that you carry about relationships from some earlier time, either earlier intimate relationships with um, uh, sexually intimate relationships or earlier relationships from childhood. Um, But if you don't ask about it, you will never uncover it. And you'll just keep hiding in your fear of leaving or your fear of staying or your fear of being alone or whatever that fear is. Um, You'll just keep hiding your heart in that and never have the opportunity to open-heartedly engage in the relationship not only that you desire but that you deserve. And so there's a great deal in in intimate relationship with adults of allowing your fears to stop you from doing what you need to do to give the relationship the chance to become what it really could be. And so you need to continue then in the process of unraveling your own illusions of fear that you bring to the relationship and engage in the very possible healing that is needed so that your heart energies can really flow in relationship, whether that's flowing more deeply into the relationship or being very clear about flowing out. That also allows you to flow out in the best way possible. So one thing I will say here with relationships, though, is what if the fear that you're feeling about leaving or staying or whatever it is, um, is a fear of violence. And as you discern into that situation, you realize that your fear, your fear of violence is valid. It's a real danger. Um, not simply a danger that you're drawing from your past that was real in the past and you're projecting it on the future. Kind of like my cat. 
right? Um, not to belittle it. I mean, it's a very strong response, but there, um, I actually had a client who was struck by her father repeatedly. And so she had a sense in intimate but authority-based relationships um, that she would be struck. And she actually projected this this relationship on one of the most peace-loving um, sort of priest-like people I've ever met. And yet her, she, and she worked for this person and believed if she confronted that authority, she would be hit. Now that was clearly, truly believed it. But the point is, it was completely her projection of her unresolved issues around authority onto a person who is actively peace-loving and created that kind of working environment. And so around violence, it's important to discern whether the violence is a real and eminent danger, which is often the case in relationship. And I, you know, I hate to have to say that, but it is. Or is it perceived? Because there is a lot of that as well, um, of people bringing their perceived danger of relationship from the past into contemporary time. And so again, discernment and cultivating the capacity for discernment is absolutely critical in dealing with fear. And in particular, learning to face your fears. Because why, why bother facing something that is a complete construct of your mind as if it's real? Because your actions are going to be inappropriate and ineffective. In other words, you're going to waste your time. If we can recognize that it's a mental construct, we will still need to take actions, but we'll take the appropriate kind of actions that will be um, effective and um, allow the time spent in the transformation to be fruitful. And so that's the point of the discernment is not that you're ever going to get a pass here, but that it helps us understand what it is that we're dealing with to apply the appropriate healing skills, process, whatever, to continue to unravel it and transform it so that our efforts are fruitful versus our time is wasted. Okay. So the most important thing to understand as a human is that discernment is always required where fear is felt. As I was just saying, fear in and of itself has no meaning in and of itself. It's just a red flag warning you of danger. You have to discern if the danger is real. And even if the danger is real, is it desired? So I was terrified to move to New York when I moved to New York. Absolutely terrified. I think I sweat myself silly and was disgusting by the time I flew all across the country to get to New York. Absolutely terrified. But it was a choice I wanted to make, so I had to keep confronting that red flag that was coming up, coming up, coming up, coming up. I had to keep confronting it. Yes, this is a real danger. This is going to change my life. My entire life, as I have known it, is in danger, and I'm doing that on purpose. So I had to just keep being in it and you know the beauty of New York is here I am terrified I'm arriving with my two bags and my whole life in those two bags and I get into a cab and I have no money and I get into the cab and I find $40 cash on the seat now in those days at that time $40 was a lot of money and I said to the cab driver I found $40 back here on the seat and he looked at me like I was crazy to tell him. And he just smiled at me and says, obviously, you need it more than I do. Have a good night. So 
had I been a wiser person at that time, I would have realized that was my life telling me I didn't need to be so afraid. But anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point was I was really afraid. But but I was making a choice that I wanted to make. And so I was going to have to deal with the fear and keep making the choice. So um, all transformation um, that we engage in, whether it's intentional or unintentional, will be perceived of as, as danger. And you need to know that if you're engaged in transformational work and stop letting the fears that arise surprise you. And if you're in transformational work and fear isn't arising, you're not actually transforming, you're just changing. So change in this context that we're talking about can be considered, um, I am actually staying within the same overall pattern of the way I'm living my life, but I'm changing how I'm doing it. So maybe I'm changing my job within that pattern or changing my, you know, it's like changing the color of my shirt, but I'm still wearing a shirt. So... So if you are in a quote-unquote transformational process intentionally on a purpose and no fear is coming up, you're not actually transforming. So either you're not engaging or the process is not actually a transformational process. It's a change process. And we need skills for both, so I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but just know what you're doing and make sure that you're engaged and really doing it. Okay. Okay. So danger can be perceived in the physical realm. It can also be perceived in the energetic realm. It can be perceived in the emotional realm and it can be – we can feel danger in the mental realm, which would be danger to our sense of beliefs or sense of self, something like that. And we can also feel true danger in the spiritual realm. So just because it's not eminent physical danger doesn't mean it's not real danger is my point. There's real emotional danger. There's real psychological, mental danger there can be real spiritual danger it's important to learn to discern that as well um so this becomes doubly important of course as um in this this needing to understand discernment um when you become a shamanic practitioner because now not only do you have to understand these four realms of the human being and get all that discernment right um but you need to discern accurately about the invisible realms as well Okay, so the simplest example I can think of for this is if you live in a constant state of ungroundedness, you will be getting a constant message physically, physical, energetic, physical body, energy body, message to your brain that you are unsafe. And for some of you, you've been ungrounded for so long, you've normalized this fear response to being unsafe because you are unsafe. We, as humans, are unsafe if we are not grounded. Okay, so there's a natural fear response that arises from that, which is triggering chemicals and thus causing a distortion in how we're discerning the present moment because we're basically arriving at the present moment already in fear. And for those of us that have normalized that fear because we've been ungrounded our whole life, we're no longer factoring in the fear we're bringing to the situation as we then begin to interpret the situation. So that's a physical energy world example. And the solution of that, of course, is to understand regardless of whether you tend to be a flighty person or tend to be a grounded person that no matter what kind of person you tend to be humans need to be grounded or you will be constantly distorting your perception of reality by creating an ongoing baseline fear response to life 
and just have to accept that and learn to be grounded and find a means of grounding yourself that goes with you no matter what situation that you're in and begin to train your energy body out of the habit of groundedlessness to a habit of being grounded. And so there's also this sense of um, how our psychology creates a sense of danger and I think Jung is is pretty famous for talking about this in his sense his talking about inner situations Lewis Hyde described it in this way that uh, when an, Jung's words in this way so when an inner situation is made is not made conscious it appears to us outside as fate right so we haven't made this inner fear story conscious so it's appearing outside to us as fate so we're already projecting our inner story on the outer world and a person unconscious of his own nature who may well feel um the gods have it in for him right so so i'm perceiving a level of danger and threat in the world that is entirely being created by the fact that i'm not i'm not self-aware i'm not conscious is what this is saying so they go on to say, an undisciplined student will feel the fates have dealt him a series of bad teachers. A drunk will be convinced some evil destiny haunts her with a series of automobile accidents, right? You know, I'm not having automobile accidents because I'm drinking and driving. I'm having them because of some, you know, evil destiny. So the point is we create a perception of danger where we have not learned to work in a healthy way with our fear and discern when these illusory fears are coming out of our mind and being projected onto the moment. Okay, so another example of the perceived um, spiritual danger. I was gonna, it's kind of real and perceived. So, so in this situation, when this woman was a child, her mother was a spellcaster. And I'm just going to use that word because I don't really know what to call this woman. I'm not clear what her practices were, so I don't really know what name to call it. All I know is that basically she did spell work to harm others. She didn't appear to have a real spiritual practice from what the woman uh, said. Um, but but the way she spoke of her mother, it sounded very frightening to be in the environment this woman cultivated through her spell work. And she was extremely effective. Now, part of my mind is going, why was this woman who appears to have no greater relationship with any energy other than her own ego so effective? So that's kind of a red flag for me as I'm going into this session. Um, and so as I begin to work on this um, situation initially it seemed spiritually dangerous because the energy of the mother who was now dead but basically haunted oh and that was the other thing about the woman she'd grown up her whole life surrounded by ghosts and other energies that came in because of the all the doors the mother was opening through her um, effective but somewhat ignorant practice and and now the woman's life was just filled with ghosts. It was, she was just like this big open door to ghosts and spirits and she could barely function. And in particular, she was starting to be beat up by something in her physical life. So it had become physically dangerous for her, sort of poltergeisty. And um, so what came out of this, in addition to the many ghosts, was in particular her mother who is now deceased and still um, sort of courting these energies that had 
had been um, working through her when she was practicing were basically still picking on her daughter because her daughter had life force the mother didn't have anymore. And in in particular in this dynamic was a vengeance demon, full-on Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of female vengeance demon, like scary as shit. Right. So, and the important thing is not only is this spiritually dangerous for this woman, but um, it had become physically dangerous. I mean, things were hitting her in her apartment. She'd have to, she said, it's gotten to the point where I just had to sit still and things still fly at me. So, anyway, so um, where was I? Right, vengeance demon. So, we deal with the vengeance demon and blah, 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 blah. We move on in the, healing session and we end up involved in trying to deal with this big viking spirit that's always around her only to find of course it's an ancestral helping spirit who's trying to help her but because his relation his life is unreconciled his help feels more like hurt so in the process of reconciling this viking we find out about this um Poor choices the Viking made with a very powerful woman of another culture, a non-Viking culture. Um, Promises were made. Promises were not kept. um, And given the practices of her people and the beliefs of her people, his um, trespasses against her um, had a punishment that was the, the person had to give over their life. And so since she couldn't exact this vengeance from him because he'd sailed back to Viking land, um, at her death, she became this vengeance demon. So I think I'm leaving out a couple parts. Anyway, the point is what I realized is, oh, she's the vengeance demon. So this is an ancestral connection to this quote unquote vengeance demon that the mom's working with but what I realized is it's not a vengeance demon I mean it is and it isn't what it is is an ancestor and so I I talk with this woman about you know really you are a major high priestess leader enormously well respected woman in your culture and now you're a vengeance demon like really that's really what you want your entire life to amount to that's your that's what you want to hand down as your legacy to your descendants a vengeance demon really and she said well okay not really so anyway my point in all of this was as a ghost and as a vengeance demon these energies were legitimately perceived of as dangerous and frightening But if we engage in our shamanic skills and unravel the whole story, which granted this one is fairly convoluted, we come up to realize we basically have a man and a woman who made the same kind of bad decisions in their lifetime that we make all the time in ours. Only, you know, heads were supposed to roll back then when that kind of thing happened. And so a new relationship was forged. The ancestors were sorted out. Everybody got crossed over where they belonged. The woman in current time... Um, no longer has to worry about her mom in her house. Um, demons are all gone. The Viking can now act as a proper helping spirit. And um, the aura of vengeance that was always cycling around this woman because of the history of being a child growing up in this life with this woman and the, and the, the vengeance. So this was, of course, goes back to answer the first question, which is how could this woman be so dangerous when she really had no reason to be that powerful well obviously the power and the skill came from the ancestor who became the vengeance demon 
it was coming from vengeance and it was the the willingness of this woman the mother of the child who is the now the woman who is my client so that mother in her lack of cultivation and lack of self-awareness her her not facing her own fears and developing herself as a as a heart-led human instead her mind is available to be twisted and who know, I don't know what her story was and what healing she needed in her life and I'm sure there was some there but the point is she was ripe for this vengeance demon and and as I thought back on all the stories the client had told me about the magic that her mother had done it was all vengeance I don't like how the neighbor cut the hedge between our houses three inches too short so I'm going to make him fall off the ladder and break his back that kind of just just petty vengeance so the thing about this is is it highlights to me the importance of our discernment and our ability to see something as a threat and even in the in the time of one session allow our perception of that threat to change as we endeavor to do what we can do through our shamanic skills so to not get caught up in the vengeance demon story the point of all that was there can be real and imagined dangers in all four aspects of our life the physical and energetic the emotional the mental and the spiritual and so learning to discern between real danger and perceived danger especially when we throw the shamanism in is an incredibly important part of your practice and so i want to share a personal story about shamanic skills um actually not even shamanic skills that would be um over extending myself so back to me and new york so here i am i got no business doing what i'm doing but i'm there in new york i have no money i have no place to stay i'm moving around and i finally end up landing in the apartment that i stayed in for most of the time that i was in new york which was a profound gift from new york city um it was an exquisite opportunity to be alone in a time that i really needed to be alone and not influenced by other people's energies and still survive in new york on nine dollars an hour and endeavor to be a dancer so it was a very scary time in terms of survival and very literal um as we define survival uh today which is do we you know are we able to pay the rent to keep the roof over our head are we able to have any money left over after we would do that to be able to feed ourselves and so my my life at that time was very much on that edge of survival as we understand that in an urban life now granted i could have made the choice to leave new york and create a different life but the point is my choice was to be in new york to dance and that the only way i was going to get a chance to dance was to be in new york so there i was i was scared for my survival nine dollars an hour is not a lot especially when it's that's not even a steady job that's freelance so often at night i would try to go to sleep knowing i had been given many gifts by the city and that i was and that was affirming the fact that i was doing the right thing to my heart to be there but i was terrified absolutely terrified that I had 32 cents in my pocket and it was Tuesday and I had no work because I was freelance. And now I couldn't go to class 
which, you know, meant I wasn't going to get any jobs. You know, my mind would just race with this fear. And I didn't really have um, shamanic skills yet to speak of. I had two skills. Then they both came together. I had the clearing skill that I teach. And from that comes an emotional uh, energy awareness skill because those two things kind of come together. So that's really what I had. And what had been coming to me as I worked with the energy awareness, I always had these animals showing up in my chakras. I didn't really know what that was about and I didn't tell anybody because it seemed to me like further proof I was probably crazy. So I never told anybody about the animals. But I had all these animals that would show up as I would do my energy clearing and my own energy awareness and they were, and I realized they were the same animals over and over and over again. Now, of course, since we're all shamanic practitioners, we know these were helping spirits. But I didn't have that language yet or the skills yet to deal with them as helping spirits. I just realized that they kept showing up. And what I started doing at night, because I couldn't sleep, I was, I was really afraid, is I would invite the animals that would show up into my bed. And I would allow my imagination to make them real so that I would be in a big pile, big animal pile, and that there would be big, powerful animals, you know, bears and things. Um, I probably didn't imagine the smell all as what would be real. But anyway, I tried to make it as real as I could to my senses and the warmth and their fur or feathers or whatever it was. And to allow their presence to be as real as possible in my life. And then I would go to sleep. And, um, and I would dream. And I wouldn't necessarily always dream of those animals. But in that time in my life when I was so afraid... And so alone... And so without skills to speak of. I had a lot of dreams. The last dream at night I would wake up and I'd been with dolphins. And I figure if you wake up in the morning playing with dolphins, you're going to be okay. And that was exactly what I would hang my ability to discern the real from the imagined fears in my life on was those dolphins, those dreams, and those animals showing up. And I'm remembering now how afraid I was to tell anyone that that's what I was doing because I knew it sounded crazy. So what did I do at that time when I was I was really parallel paralyzed by real fears? I mean true survival fears. But at the same time overwhelmed by my own projections of illusory fears. So I had the animals at night. I didn't even have enough sense to ask a question to get an answer to my dreaming. I was so skillless at the time. But I got up every morning face the day and I grounded myself and then I grounded the rest of myself in a daily practice and I began every day in my body so that I would not bring any perceived fears to the situation I did my emotional clearing with everything that triggered me every single day because it's the only damn skill I had to use so I used it and from the emotional clearing 
comes the energy clearing because those two things work together. And out of that energy clearing came a lot of clearing of beliefs. As I cleared those old beliefs, the fears, many of the fear stories began to go away because many fear stories are really based in belief. And I began to appreciate the beauty of my environment. I said, I'm not in a natural environment, but there's still beauty in this environment. And every day as I walked through the city, I would look for what was beautiful. And in that, I began a gratitude practice. Not intentionally, not because Oprah said do a gratitude practice, but just out of the natural, the natural outgrowth of looking for the beauty, which is the very, very beginning of Aini. So I guess my point in being willing to face your fears and being willing to unravel them and move into the heart of them and to allow yourself that experience in life brings you to shamanism. It brings you to your authenticity. And in that process, you learn the skills you need to do whatever you have come here to do and to do it with an open heart. So I want to give thanks to the ancestors who are never far away, to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Massive Illusion and the Authentic Self is just about full for this year. I think there's maybe one, maybe two spots remaining. I'm not exactly sure at the moment. The Energy Clearing Class in Portland has just two spots remaining, and that's in April. You can register through the last mask center.org website the year of ceremony begins this month actually you can register for that through the the homepage of the lastmaskcenter.org website um, it's uh, practitioners from all around different traditions offering a ceremony every full moon it's going to begin with Sandra Ingerman this month in March on the full moon and then there is um, a shamanic summit for the inner warrior coming up um, that begins on March 28th. And I'm just about to put the link up there on my homepage as well. So thank you, everyone. Have a good week.